Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Calling It A Day with Chloe, Cleo, and Caleb. <laughs> Hi. Um, this is, I think, going to be one of our last episodes for a little while. So, very special treat to have Caleb here to talk about a topic that... I don't know, it was really interesting to me and hopefully it will be insightful to a lot of you guys listening. Um, I guess for some context, Caleb and I met like, has it even been two years? Year and a half? Yeah, not even two years. That's crazy, it feels longer than that. But yeah. we met a year and a half, two years ago or so when he moved over from Texas yep. know, after he graduated <laughs> school. Yep. And um, we've just been in the same, I guess, church community since. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just top-notch guy, one of the most caring and, oh. you know, knowledgeable in terms of scripture, um, all good things. And I'm kind of rambling in this intro, but I'll just let Caleb introduce himself a little bit. No, that's really nice. You're like, uh, that's it. Nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than enough. Um, yeah, I'm Caleb. Um, pleasure to be on this podcast. Um, so I was born and raised in Colorado. I went to college in Houston, Texas, at Rice University, studied economics and business. And then in between my junior and senior year, I took a gap year to do missions in Iraq and then came back, graduated, moved to Seattle where I met Chloe. And then I met Cleo about like eight months ago. Oh, that's very specific. I was gonna say like a year, maybe. <laughs> it was like in, in COVID. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. and Caleb mentioned his gap year in um, Iraq, and that's what he's here to talk about. M- more specifically, just his experience with missions and all of that, I guess. I'll you know he's legit because he said Iraq instead of Iraq. <laughs> I know, I just said Iraq because he said that. I would have been like, I used to get roasted because like people at my school were like freaking woke or something. And like one time I said the word Iran and like I got freaking roasted like crazy. They were like, Iran? Did you really just say Iran? And I was like, no. <laughs> you ran where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So you know he's legit already. But yeah, I was like in a specific area that they try to call themselves like a different country, Mm. which is called Kurdistan. Um, But Mm. yeah. Uh, For the people listening that might not be as familiar with the concept of missions, do you mind just kind of painting a background of the overall concept? Yeah, totally. So missions, there's it's pretty uh, vague because people have like a lot of different interpretations. It could be like um, service-based, like if you're building wells for water. Um, it could be primarily evangelism-based, which was like mine. Um, so our team was sent with the sole focus of preaching the gospel and church planting. So yeah, and usually it's in a like cross-cultural context. So um, it's often thought to be overseas. But um, there are forms of missions that you can do, like, locally in just different culture areas. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And how did your opportunity for missions come about? Because that's a huge commitment commitment Mm -hmm. to take a gap year in college. I feel like when you're in college, you're just like, most people are just on this kind of one-track mindset of get into your major, like, maybe study abroad, internships, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So that's... I feel like a very mature and also perhaps risky decision Mm -hmm. to go on missions in the middle of college. So 
um, yeah, just how did that opportunity come about and how did you know it was something you wanted to commit to? Yeah, it was definitely like all God. So my sophomore year um, in the winter, I just I had just finished my first semester of sophomore year and I was like, great, winter break, I can just like chill. And my brother was like, we should go to a missions conference. And I, at that time, I was a pretty, through high school, I was actually an atheist. Um, and then in college, some of my friends were kind of like bringing me back by just like inviting me to small group and stuff like that. So I went, but I wasn't really attached. I don't think I really gave my life to Christ, um, but I wanted to hang out with my brother. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. And so I went, it's Urbana 2016. Not a light hangout. <laughs> yeah, it's very, I mean, I never actually went, but just seeing. We've heard stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like. I mean, we'll be at a hotel. Like, I didn't even think about, like, the conference and how intense it'll be. But I was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but God definitely had different plans. And, um, yeah, it was all just focused on overseas missions and um, particularly student missions. So going, like, while you're a student. And I think there's, like, um, there's power in, in going when you're young. Um and yeah, God just gave me a heart through the specifically one of the um, messages that was by Francis Chan. Mm -hmm. And he shared about like, he essentially said like, in all my years of ministry, um, like I've done so many things for God, but um, I, if I could do it all over again, I like, it's vague, right? Because God has these things happen for a reason. But he said, one thing I would be certain of is to have a greater emphasis on overseas missions mm. and reaching unreached people groups. Because he was like, as a pastor, I'm trying to reach the same like million group of people in the U.S. that hear the same story over and over. But overseas, there's people who are like literally dying to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. Like they, they want it so bad mm -hmm. and yet no one is going. And so that really, that really shook me. Mm. And so I, I, I came back and God had everything planned. And um, right when I came back, one of my friends started like a missions training program um, just on a whim. Um, it was her and Suzanne when um, they like led it together. And I had given my life to Christ at that conference too. Um, but they're like, oh, like, yeah, you should, you should just try it. Um, and it was so funny because I was pre-med at the time and I was just swamped with like really tough classes and I was studying really hard, but in my like organic chemistry class, I just kept failing my tests, like actually failing, but I was studying so hard. I was like, what is going on? Like I, so at that time I was like, I don't have enough time to take this training program mm -hmm. called vision school. And uh, but God just kept failing my, I actually think he was like failing my tests because I was like, okay, I'm going to have to drop the class. Oh, and wow. so I dropped it. Mm. And, and then I was like, well, like my one excuse for like Dang. not attending it was like that. Yeah. And so. You're like, 
divine intervention, guys. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it wasn't me. It's not me that failed. It was yeah, yeah, definitely not me. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I took it. And um, first meeting, they had a missionary from Syria, mm-hmm. and that was another step that just really impacted me because he he shared about this was like closer to the height of the Syrian refugee crisis, and he said like. He was a missionary in Syria for many years, and the people were really like resistant to the gospel. They just didn't want to accept. Um, they were comfortable in their own ways. But once the Syrian war happened and ISIS just began, um, like just killing everyone, um, they scattered. And he became a missionary. He left and became a missionary in Turkey, serving Syrian refugees. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's like night and day, their openness. Like mm-hmm. now that the reality of Islam has been shattered mm-hmm. and they're looking for hope. And he was just like, the refugees are not going to be refugees forever. And God is basically handing handing like this huge event to the church mm-hmm. and saying, what will you do with, with it? Mm-hmm. Like, will you just stay silent and pass by or will you stop and help Mm. those in need and so i was just like man like i'm i'm like in such a nice university like rice is really beautiful like i'm just doing everything like i want to but Mm. like if god if god really wants us to like uh go then like who am i to say no so dang so like how did you pick um iraq specifically to go yeah so after I took that first, um, it was like an eight-week program, I went to Turkey to serve Syrian refugees um, wow. for a two-week trip. Mm-hmm. And there, God, just seeing them face-to-face and serving them, I saw how thirsty they were for God's love. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like, there, I have so many like vivid memories. Like one of them was we were walk. we don't know, so when... The way that this missions organization does uh, like missions, it's very radical. Mm-hmm. You, they basically send whoever wants to go after this training program, they send them to like the Middle East. They don't know any Arabic. Mm-hmm. They don't know like anything about the situation. Um, but they say that like the Holy Spirit will guide you. Um, and even when they send us out for ministry, they don't tell you like exactly where to go. They, they give you enough money so that you last for, like, like two days. Oh, my God. Two days. And, well, they, like, warm you up. So yeah. you go out for, like, just a day trip and uh-huh. come back at the night. You debrief. Oh. Then the next time you go out for, and you have to stay over at someone's house. A random person's house? Yeah. Oh my but like gosh. a person that you're trying to witness to. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, just like a quest. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Choose your so, own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's intense. Yeah. It's really intense. So what if you like ran out of money, you know, in the two days, like that kind of, is that kind of to push you to really reach out to the people because otherwise... You're not going to have anywhere to stay for the night. Yeah. So it's, I don't remember the exact chapter, but it's all like based on like when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples Mm. and he says, don't take like your cloak with you. Don't Mm. take money. Like don't take anything. Like simply rely on the spirit Mm -hmm. and like 
um, finding people of peace is huge. Mm -hmm. So like when you enter their house, say like peace be upon mm -hmm. this house. That's what it says in scripture. Mm -hmm. And what's great is like, that's what you say like in Arabic. Like, oh, wow. nowhere else do you actually say, like, peace be upon you. Right. But salam alaikum means, like, literally peace be upon wow. you. And so... That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, I cannot imagine, like, he, being in America, yeah. people just, like, welcoming a stranger into their home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, do, did you feel like the people you met were welcoming and, like, receptive? Totally. It's so different from here. Like, it could not happen here. Yeah. Like... Mm -hmm. There, yeah, no one will open their door <laughs> to you, like, if you just knock. Yeah. Even if you say, peace be upon you, they'd be oh, like, totally. no. <laughs> even, even here, like, maybe this is a little too pragmatic, but I was like, America's so big. Like, how do you even walk around and mm. just, like, find, you know, homes to go to? And it's like, they'd be like, go to an Airbnb, okay? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so going into it, did they train you culturally of you know maybe you don't know arabic but like do they teach you the basics and you know kind of all that stuff to prepare you a little bit yeah so they they do give like certain like cultural advice mm -hmm. like what people might have done in the past that's deemed like very inappropriate and mm -hmm. like there's like simple things they tell you like oh when you sit on the floor like in arabic culture it's rude to have your feet the bottom of your feet like pointing at someone mm -hmm. and so you want to just like crisscross mm -hmm. um oh, interesting. and like simple things like that um but they give you like a language packet that says like hello <laughs> and like how are you like very simple things and then it basically has all those like basic necessities and then the gospel Whoa, that's yeah. in, but like even though there's a language packet it doesn't help you understand what they're saying that much if they're saying more than just yeah <laughs> exactly it's really bare bones yeah. and like um yeah even in that like as like terrible the communication is like there's still like so many people who like are willing to listen and it's like their first time hearing like the gospel mm -hmm. and like there's even times where like they don't fully under because we don't even pronounce the words right mm -hmm. um where we just like you're, you, I think when you're there, you have such a heart to share that, like, there was times where we just acted out. <laughs> like, wow. like, we just act out the gospel. Wow. And, like, you know, like, skits. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, someone dies, and you're like, three days, and then you come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, simple things like that. Yeah. And those things kind of, like, um, overcome, like, communication barriers. Mm, wow. Yeah. In just two weeks, though, compared to, you know, the year-long trip that we've yet to get into, were there any moments where you felt like, you know, you saw miracles or God was working? Because two weeks is a really short amount of time, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was, um, so there's really cool stories of how, like, the, like, so I went on that two-week trip, and then six months later, I went to Iraq mm -hmm. for, for two weeks, mm -hmm. and then went Six months after that, I went to oh, Iraq wow. for the year. So that's how I, like, warmed up to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, there's, there's like, a lot of, like, really cool stories. So one is just, like, how God protects you when you rely on him so much. Like, so there was a time during my Iraq two-week trip where I was briefly imprisoned. 
like, <laughs> um, okay. he's like setting the bar high. I remember we were in small group one time, and it, you know, it's like, what's the Bible hardest thing you've been through? And you're like, I was in prison. <laughs> the Bible talks so much about like being persecuted, you know, if you're really going out there and trying to proclaim Jesus's name, and it just sounds like things you read in the Bible, and Caleb's like, yeah, I've been to jail for <laughs> trying to preach the gospel. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but so the so there's there's that time which mm. I can get into, but there's like one time where we were like on our way to like going to jail uh, because basically we were in this like neighborhood. It was actually like a nice neighborhood, and we're walking around. We're obviously foreigners, like we don't look like the local people, um, but we we had been like sharing to like people along the way. Mm -hmm. Like um, sometimes you can kind of gauge if they're open to having you like come in their house. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just like want to talk outside. Mm -hmm. And so we were walking um, and we usually go in like uh, mixed gender groups just to Mm -hmm. protect the sisters. Um, And um, we... We're walking and one of our sisters like walked by this tree and she like looked up and she was like oh it's like an olive tree it's like really pretty and we were just like admiring it it was like really random um <laughs> like usually we're on a mission like we need to go but she was just like, like literally on a mission yeah exactly <laughs> but so um we walk a little further um and this police car just drives up and he starts like yelling at us in Kurdish and like we don't know any Kurdish mm-hmm. um and he he like shows us his police badge and he, he like points inside the car and so we're kind of, we're like scared we're like uh like we have no idea like what's going to happen to us yeah. um but he's like yelling at us and then like we're we're like at getting in the car and as we're like driving away we have no idea where we're going this guy runs out of his house and like basically like stands in front of the car and is like stop 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 and we're just like what is this guy doing like what is happening and he like the police officer gets out Mm -hmm. and um he this guy speaks like perfect english which that by itself is like a miracle wow and so he he says like he asks us like what's going on like why is this why is he taking you? Um, and we we're like, we have no idea, like, what's going on. And um, he was like, why are you here? And we have, like, a trained response to say, like, oh, we're just, like, exploring. <laughs> like, I was just going to ask because, you, you know, for example, in China, um, sometimes when they go on mission trips, they have, like, a disguised reason. Mm-hmm. Like when we went to Japan, we're, like, we're teaching English. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't very forward that you guys were like, we're here for missions. Yeah, yeah. We're not directly like that. We just say like, oh, um, yeah, we're just visiting. Mm. Um, Because it's a two-week trip, we can say that. It changed for the year. but um, So we just said like, oh, we're we're like visiting. We think like Iraq is beautiful. Like... (laughs) And, beautiful place for tourism yeah yeah and, which doesn't really make sense but but then he like he starts talking to the officer uh-huh. and he's like um these people say like they're tourists but i actually believe them because i saw this girl like she was admiring this tree 
like when I'm they like were actually wa- getting chills as you're saying this story. <laughs> yeah, it's like I like I was looking out my window and I saw that she was like just admiring the tree and like if they were here for a purpose they wouldn't do that. Like they really do look like tourists. Wow. And and the police officer was like, okay, well they can't be like walking around, so you have to like take them in. And he was like, okay, like they can sleep over. What? <laughs> yeah. How come you guys aren't allowed to walk around? I think some neighborhood. It was like a nice neighborhood, so mm-hmm. they they just like have police like oh. patrolling to like a gated community. Essentially, yeah. That's insane. So where did things go with that guy who took you guys in? So he, um, because he was like spoke English, we were able to go in so much more depth of mm-hmm. the gospel. So always it kind of starts with just like relationship building with the packet there's only so much you can do it's like how many children do you have and just like very basic things um but we were able to build a lot of relationship with him and um share the gospel with him and he was he was so open like he was totally a person of peace and like we, we thought we would just stay for a little bit and just leave. But he's like, no, like, you have to have dinner here. Mm. And they were, like, rich. So it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Lord coming through. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Because you also don't know, like, where your next meal is going to come from. Because oh, wow. they, like, encourage you, to, like, not to just buy food, like, yeah. at a restaurant. But to um, eat, like, with people. Mm. At a random rich person's house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so we kept sharing. We stayed up till like two or three a.m., like just talking about Jesus. And mm-hmm. and then we went to bed in the morning. We had worship, and the whole family wow. like just sat around and like listened to us. Wow! And they were like they love worship. Mm-hmm. Like they just because um, music is kind of for very strict Muslims. It's like forbidden. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, they they loved the worship, and what's so crazy is, like, we, we, we're, for basically everyone we meet, we're, we'll never see them again, mm-hmm. right, and so we just say, like, um, also for, like, um, security reasons, we can't, like, really keep in contact mm-hmm. with them, um, and so... For the short-term trips, at least. Mm-hmm. And so we say, like, okay, like, um, like we'll, we'll see you, but, like, please think about, like, you know, the gospel and what we talked about. And we'll leave a Bible. But like Carrying all of that with you, but then you don't have stuff, right? Cause, or do yeah. you carry stuff, like, knowing you're going to stay um, just in a random place? We do have backpacks mm-hmm. with, like, Bibles and wow. so, some clothes. Just like bare bones, you're really just like. <laughs> yeah, that's I was it. like worship. When you can't whip out a guitar, you're just like start. So singing. one of our people in our group will be carrying a guitar. Wow. Yeah. How many people are like in each group? Usually like three to four. Oh okay. Yeah. Dang. Everything about that story just feels so countercultural to what you would see here in America. Just like. I mean, as simple as, like, bystander effect. Like, if mm. someone saw a cop getting... Or mm-hmm. someone, a cop pulling someone over outside your house, you'd be like... I feel like people would be nosy. Be like, what's going on? Mm. But I, I don't feel that many people would necessarily run out and go out of their way to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just that level of hospitality, again, like... 
that level of, I don't know, trust in a stranger. Yeah. So I think different. like, um, like Muslim culture, they're like the most hospitable people I've ever met. Mm. They're like, just in general, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my mm. life. And that's why this form of ministry works because like, I'd say one in like three or four people, like uh, unique like persons, they'll invite you to like, uh, for like a meal. Mm. And then maybe like one in six will like invite you to stay mm. um, like overnight. And it's like, yeah, really generous. So like, did that guy explain why he knows perfect English or is it just... Yeah, so like when they're more wealthy, mm -hmm. they're able to afford like, like just um, like go to university mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So in Iraq, he was like a local Iraqi, mm -hmm. but like Syrian refugees, they're like so poor they can't afford. So they'll never know English usually unless they learned it in Syria. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like he he was able to know full english and because of that we six months later when i came back for my year of missions mm -hmm. um we actually met him <gasps> like oh completely gosh. randomly what? yeah like out on the Whoa. streets at a mall <laughs> you ran into him yeah and he remembered you well i guess yeah yeah he he was we were just like so shocked and we were like crying like tears he of was joy. Like, Caleb? Yeah. And it, you know what's even crazier? Oh well, so we had like different names, so he uh, called us something else. Yeah. And um you like don't respond to it because you're like <laughs> Well, actually no. On our two week trips uh -huh. we, we give our normal names. Oh. But then for our year long ones we, we try to have like mm. Arabic names. Oh um, okay. I see. But so he did call me like Caleb, which I wasn't used to hearing because um, it's also like a security thing. Yeah. So I was like kind of like shocked, but I was still like so happy. But like the first thing he says, like after, you know, like we're all so happy. He's like, since like you told me the gospel, like I've seen two visions of Jesus. Wow. Like that's the first thing he says. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what kind of visions? And he just, like, goes into, like, explaining, like... Uh, and what we found out, like, throughout the years that a lot of Muslim people actually have visions of Jesus, mm. um, which is really powerful. And they're always, like, the same, which is... They're all always very similar, where, like, it's a very bright figure mm -hmm. uh, that they can't see directly. Mm -hmm. And... But when they're in his presence is just complete peace and joy and and like they know for some reason like i always ask like how do you know it's jesus and not mm. like muhammad or like mm. any other prophet they're like i just know mm. i just know it's jesus Whoa. and i'm like wow like that's, that's insane yeah like, what do you think it is about their experience that allows them for example to connect with Jesus in that way because you know I think here in the states um a lot of times we're, we're always like where are these miracles we read about in the bible like Christianity here just seems less radical I guess it's just like mm. day to day and I, I think many of us have gone through our whole lives without that crazy of an experience mm. so what do you think it is about 
I don't know, maybe their faith or their perspective that lends to these kind of radical experiences and visions. Yeah. I think one aspect is what Satan is doing. Um, I personally think that it is one of Satan's ways of like, um, like spiritual warfare in the United States mm. is to make people believe that there's no like spiritual realm. Mm. So like miracles, good or bad, like even like demon possession, these kind of things, like we don't really see like any of it in the States. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of like his strategy to make, like there's so many atheists and agnostics mm. here, right? But when you look at the rest of the world, they're all like believing in something, right? right. They, they've seen like spiritual things. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's one aspect of like, just why we don't see as much. Um, but I mean, they still do happen, mm -hmm. right? But um, yeah, and I think the second part is also just the genuineness of their faith. Mm -hmm. Like when they come to Christ, like they when they read the Bible and says like, you can cast out demons and and like heal people like they really believe like mm -hmm. and it's it's just like such a precious faith yeah. that like even as me like i believe but like do i believe if i lay hands on this person who's sick like that they'll be healed like i'm i'm still a doubter so yeah i feel like we've talked about just the sense of apathy and indifference that can be kind of pervasive too I'm just generalizing, you know, faith in America, whereas mm -hmm. we're over there. It's like once they believe, they're just like holding on to it so tightly. Mm -hmm. um, so that I mean, that's really beautiful and like, like I don't know if we're ever gonna ex experience anything like that mm -hmm. unless we go on missions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so. That's so. I'm like, I can't even imagine just like bumping into him at the mall and just mm -hmm. like, like that's so crazy. But because I was going to say, I was like, huh, it's so sad that you'll never see him again. You won't mm. know what, where he is in his faith journey. But like, I feel like God really gifted that. Yeah. Like to you guys to be able to like reconnect. And like, just... What are the chances? Yeah. How did the rest of that conversation go? Well, we like kept meeting up with him. We're like, we're not letting you go anymore. <laughs> like we're here for like a year. Yeah. And so it was like maybe, I, th I think maybe like four or five months in. So we had like, um maybe like six months left to meet up with him. Mm. He also lived in like um, a much further city. Mm. So like with our two week like trips, they, they really go hard and they just send you everywhere mm -hmm. because with the year long like mission trips, they just try to like you anchor to one city mm, and I just see. really try to mm. like spread in that city. So we weren't able to meet up as often, mm -hmm. but yeah, what, like, what was kind of discouraging was, like, e even still, I don't know now, but, like, as we kept meeting up with him, he was, like, so, so close, mm. but just the fear of persecution yeah. was a huge thing for him, yeah. and we, we would have, he would ask such, like, great questions, like, there is so genuine, like, like if if Jesus is truly like like Lord and Savior, like is there reason to live for anything else? Like or like you know he was just like really curious and 
um, like just really asked so many, we went, did a lot of Bible studies together, like, like the gospels and stuff, but that fear of persecution was huge. Yeah. And so he said, like, I, I do believe that Jesus like died and rose. And I do think that he is, is like our savior, mm-hmm. but I just am too afraid to like give my life at this moment. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's huge that he even got to that point. Like, that's yeah. just so crazy from a chance encounter in front of an olive tree to like um, all this time later at a mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minus the mall, like, it straight sounds like, sorry, it sounds like a straight from the Bible. Like, looking <laughs> up at an olive tree. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have malls. You know, a market. The market, yes. The market, yeah. <laughs> the market. But, whoa. So, I guess going back, could you kind of recount about the time you were actually in prison? Mm. <laughs> Since this time you got stopped. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, there, it wasn't technically for preaching the gospel, so I'll kind of put that disclaimer. But we were at, so we called like locals like souls. So, we were at a soul's house and. He was really generous. He was like, oh, we're really close to the mountains. Like, would you want to, like, go and just, you know, we do fun things with them, you know, to build relationship. And he's like, yeah, you want to go? Like, and I know this really scenic place we can go. That is so crazy, that level of trust. If some, like, stranger was like, hey, do you want to go to the mountains? I'd be like, to murder me? Well, people here, like, people... In our building, don't even say hi back when we say hi to them, let alone, like, invite us to a hike. I'm like, a hike is a commitment of an activity. I know. (laughs) They're just, like, so flexible, honestly. (laughs) Like, yeah. And um, so we're like, okay, yeah. So we went. So we're driving up, and there's, like, like, military checkpoints Mm -hmm. at, like, different points, like, when you're driving usually it's pretty scarce but we we reach one and usually like they they have like you know ak-47 and they're just but they never like do anything they're just like they look at like your passport Mm -hmm. and they're like okay go and but this time we we drove up the guy in like uh with the gun comes up and he's like give us the passport so we hand it and but then he starts like yelling and like shouting at us and like he like points with the gun like like get out of the car and we're just like what is going on like we actually thought we were gonna die for that one because there's a dude with a gun yelling like we just had no idea what was happening and like i think it was like we had two guys and two girls and like the girls started crying we were gonna cry too. It was like, dude, I would cry and then poop myself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's not a video game. It's like a real game. Yeah, like I can't get up. There's poop everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we we're just like freaking out. And the like the driver guy was also like he was freaking out. He didn't know like why. He's like, I just want to hike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I just like the mountains. And so he. Like, we, they basically take us to, like, um, jail. Mm-hmm. And All of you guys. Even the guy who was, like, kind of hosting you. 
They take him to like a like they take him to, mm-hmm. um, but take him to another part mm-hmm. like because he speaks like yeah. he can talk like straight to them. Mm-hmm. But we are there um, for like um, like a good amount of time, not like overnight. Mm-hmm. It was all within one day, and so it was like four hours in the same room. We were just like talking. Um, we were, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and like they, they took our phones and like, um, well, yeah, we just have like one phone for the group and they took it. And so we're like, there goes our Google translate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these are like, not even like, I like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. It's just a break. And um we're just like okay like what do we do all we can do is just pray Mm -hmm. um and so we were praying and praying and then this guy comes in he's like all right like like he just motions like we need to go so we go from one room to the other and they keep shifting us from one room to another without none of them know english so we're we're just reading our packet to them we're like how many kids do you have (laughs) Like, we have nothing else to say. Like, um, and we don't... It's like three, I already told you. Most of the time, they just, like, ignore us. And we're just like, hello, how are you? Like, do you have food? But they just don't respond. And so we, like, they keep shifting us to rooms. And, like, the rooms are getting nicer and nicer. Oh, yeah. And the people also, like, respectively, they start knowing, like, a little bit more English. And, <laughs> and they're, so they're like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we've made it, we're safe. <laughs> but that, that'll be, like, all they say. And, like, often, so most of my, my team was, like, Korean. Oh, okay. And, like, it's a Korean uh, missions organization. Oh, I see. Okay. And so they'll... But, like, this is something we heard, like, the whole year. But they'll, they'll like, point to them and be, like, Chinese? <laughs> and, and they'll be, like, no, Korean. And they're, like, hmm, north or south? <laughs> and it was, like, south, for sure. Wow. And, and, like, it was north. I'm not going to be here. I know. But they don't know that. <laughs> and so they're just, like, and then that's basically it. And so eventually we got to a person who, like, was fluent in English, and he, so then he, like, interrogated us, because the previous people, they realized they can't get anything out of yeah. us, and so they were just like, why are you here, mm. and we were like, oh, we're tourists, like, we were going to see the mountains, and essentially, they thought we were American spies, Wow. and that's why they were, so we were on the border to Iran, mm. and that's why it was so dangerous, they were like, we ourselves don't care like that you're here Mm -hmm. but if you cross over then the relations with iran and u.s are not good Mm -hmm. and so like they could essentially kill you on site and then we would be responsible because like we're the ones you Mm -hmm. flew into and like you're supposed to be located in so wow they cared about you yeah it was like really to protect us but we just had no idea crazy so you guys have to kind of keep your story in check yeah because i'm sure they asked you like well how do you know the other guy mm-hmm. yeah yeah they they asked that 
and uh we were just like we just met him mm. and they were like why are you here like walking around in the street like in the mountains like mm-hmm. who does this and we're just like we're just really adventurous we're a travel influencers <laughs> <laughs> check my insta <laughs> yeah and so what he was saying was okay we're just gonna deport you you shouldn't be here and like you're not really abiding by rules like you don't know what you're doing and that's like a red alert for us. Yeah. We're like, because basically if if we get deported from the country, that makes it extremely difficult for the missions organization to keep bringing people. Mm. And so that has like long-term implications. So our like long-term missionary was like, if you're ever like in a threat of being deported, like call me. Um, and so we were like, can we landline someone? And, wow. and they were like, they were like, we're going to call the embassy and then deport you. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, no, we have someone else you should talk to. <laughs> and they were like, why should we, why, mm-hmm. like, why? And we were like, oh, this, like, the people, like, taking care of us, they can explain. And so we called him and he basically, like, weaved his way and, like, explained, wow. like, yeah, they're just tourists. We're part of this program. And, like, yeah. And so they're like, okay, like, you have to, um, this was our first day of a three-day trip, um, like, of the two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's, like, broken up into chunks. And so they were like, okay, but you need to go directly back to your home base. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll not to- tolerate you staying. So they, they like, escorted us to this bus station. And then... Um, Where's your friend at this point? We just never saw him again yeah wow yeah he went off and they were probably like and he probably drove back down the mountain by himself yeah i think he was fine like hopefully he was like wow that did not go well yeah yeah he was probably worried you never saw me that's crazy yeah so we were walking to the bus station they're like they're watching us from afar Mm -hmm. um and basically we we are like god called us to this city like we're not gonna leave So what we we did was we basically faked buying a ticket. We were like, yep, okay, we're good. And we like walked towards the buses and waited for them to leave. And then we just went right back to like where the houses were. Oh, you guys are rebels. (laughs) Yeah, they would have easily spotted you. Yeah, we were like, we had to debate like, do we really want to stay? Because if they see us, like we could get deported. Mm -hmm. Like that's worst case. But we were like, uh, like God will protect us. Like, mm. oh, because you had two more days left. Exactly. Left. I see. Yeah. I see. Oh my gosh, that is um, that's very scary. Yeah. That's very scary. I was like, I wonder who in your group like pitched that idea <laughs> and was like, Hey guys, let's escape. Yeah. <laughs> and not get on this bus. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like we could go on for like hours just mm-hmm. with the stories of how like God worked. Um, but alas. We're, I mean, we have time, but we're, we are definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, curious, kind of like overall, I don't know, like, what do you feel like God has taught you through missions? Yeah, that's a good question. I realized that I think it just kind of reinforced how open unreached people are to the gospel. Like, we, even preaching the gospel here, it's like, oh, like, they won't like it. Like, mm. they already are set in their own ways. Like, um, and even more so when you go to another culture, you're like, I'm a nobody. Like, why would they listen to me? Mm-hmm. 
but there's something so powerful about the gospel that transcends all culture all like background of the people that it just speaks that there is a god who loves you and like even though you're a sinner like he died for you like that just the core of the gospel is like yeah it transcends everything and i think also just through especially through doing my year of missions i think that jesus is coming back soon Whoa. I don't I don't have like a special time like that would be blasphemy. Yeah, like soon is relative. Like it's all yeah, it's always relative. Yeah. And I think it's like possibly within our lifetimes because so hear me out. So Matthew twenty four fourteen says the gospel will pre- be preached to all nations mm-hmm. and then the end will come. Yes. And so if you look at the state of missions now, mm-hmm. like through, like at the beginning and end of our year of missions, we have like an international missions conference, mm-hmm. which is like one of the best things like I've ever experienced because it's it's in it was in Turkey and it has a bunch of like long term missionaries and local believers like come and they share about what God is doing mm-hmm. and when you and they they'll share like statistics like data of like how many unreached people groups we have left Mm -hmm. and like um like how many more missionaries are going out how many like you know the progression of like trying to preach to all nations and it's accelerating like so fast Mm -hmm. like for a while it was America was the primary source of missionaries just from the like, you know, it's a Christian yeah. mm-hmm. quote unquote country. But now if you look like China is exploding with the gospel, India exploding. Mm-hmm. And like these are like a billion plus like population and these like well, I think China, because of regulations, they're, like, more, like, locked. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not sending as many missionaries because it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I know India is, and, like, Pakistan, like, these places that we thought were unreached mm-hmm. are already sending out, like, thousands of missionaries. Like, when I worked, when I was in Iraq, we were working alongside Egyptian people who they were just like us it was so crazy they even though egypt egypt has like a 10 percent like christian population which is the most in the middle east mm-hmm. they they were like co- roughly college students maybe a little older who like came for a year of missions and just doing the same work as us um but because they already know like arabic they're just so powerful mm-hmm. like and they know the culture and everything like we're like as like american missionaries like we're like nothing compared to them like even when you see fruit of ministry like at the end of our year we had from from when we this is what happened when working with the egyptian missionaries mm-hmm. there was someone who uh we preached the gospel to and he preached the gospel to his wife who accepted after like 3 weeks she both both him and her 
they got baptized. Then they baptized all their children. Three weeks later, the wife shared to her cousin. He accepted, and he lived like three hours away, but he like drove down just to be baptized. Wow. And then it just kept going. And that's like how the gospel is. It's explosive. And now, like when I talk to my friends who are doing work in Iraq, like continuing, they have people from Pakistan who are sharing the gospel, people from Iran sharing the gospel, like all these places where we thought like we need to go, like there's nobody like mm-hmm. there. Like Iran has the greatest, um, I think it's Iran and Afghanistan have the greatest growth of like evangelical believers in the world like it's just growing so fast Mm -hmm. that like if what scripture says is true like the gospel will be preached even in revelations it talks about that that every tongue will like worship him then i like and that's a big theme of like what this missions organization and i've heard from others as well that they're like it's accelerating we need to like really prepare that like you know that he might come back oh my gosh i mean in terms of preparing like what would that even look like you know if the end times are coming what is (laughs) what is the ask for us you know Mm -hmm. it's a good question i think that's like a great study of like what what jesus talks about like in regards to the end times but i think if we really believe that he's coming within our lifetime, it changes everything, right? Like, even if we practically think, like, oh, like, he's coming in, like, five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Everything we, everything about daily life changes, right? Because yeah, right. you're, like, it all, eternity is everything that matters now. Mm. And even though it should always be that way, it's like that, yeah. So yeah. the sense of urgency is totally. very important because yeah. I feel like it's very easy to lose perspective and like in the back of our minds, like we know what the Bible says and like mm-hmm. we know like what it says in Revelations, but then to, yeah, to put it at the forefront of like day-to-day living does change mm-hmm. like everything, like yeah. everything you're doing perspective is like, yeah, so, yeah, because our lives are finite and we already know that, but if it is... I don't know, definitively finite with like five or 10 years, that really does Mm -hmm. shift your perspective because right now I think in the back of everyone's mind, you kind of fixate on like, oh, you know, 60 to 80, like Mm -hmm. 90 to 100 if I'm really lucky. Like, Mm -hmm. so in that sense, we kind of give ourselves Mm -hmm. this certain arbitrary length of time. But I mean, life is fragile and precious and you just really never know. Um, But that's a really interesting thought because... I guess on the other hand, when it talks about, you know, the day of coming, it will come like a thief in the night. So in my mm-hmm. mind, whenever I'm like, if we think it's coming, is that when it's not? Because it's what we least expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, none of us will know, I suppose, until yeah. until the day comes. Um, yeah, I, I think this episode is going long, but I actually don't mind splitting it into two parts because... Like, I have a lot of questions. Mm. I don't want to keep you here too long. No, I'm, if you have, you know, I'm places free. to be. But um, I have two main questions. You can decide which one you want to answer first. The first one is, like, what did your, like, day-to-day look like when you were on missions? And then the second was how that culture shock was coming back to the U.S. Because mm. I'm sure spending one year doing missions in Iraq and then coming back here mm. is just 
such a culture mm-hmm. shock. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping you can kind of talk about, I guess, major differences in like Christianity that you saw mm. from there and here. And also, yeah, just like how you started living your life differently, like once you came back from mm. missions. Yeah. So for that first question, we had something that we just nicknamed Daily Life Plan, DLP. And it was, so before our year of missions, we had a month in Korea where their headquarters is, basically training. It's It was really hardcore. Like our missions organization is just really intense. I think it's it really contrasts to like what I knew of like, you know, um, Christianity and it grew me a lot but there we we started our DLP and there it was essentially you wake up at 5:30 and you have morning exercise it's almost like a military boot camp <laughs> so you wake up at i think 5:30 and we do exercise. We had like a cohort of 40 student missionaries. And we do we do exercise. Then we read the Bible for, I think, like 45 minutes to an hour. Then we have like worship together. And then we hear a sermon from uh, like a missionary. There's always like missionaries at the headquarter. And then... We go eat breakfast, we come back, listen to another sermon, and they also have, like, um, requirements throughout the day that we're reading, like, 10 chapters of the Bible. Wow. And they give us, like, no breaks at all. Like, basically, like, five minutes, like, or less between each one. Oh, my gosh. And you, like, normally you just take, like, a breather, like, because you're just trying to focus. Mm -hmm. But, like, you you have to finish reading these 10 chapters because they quiz you after each week oh my gosh and you also can't fall asleep in in the sermons otherwise you have to write like a two-page paper um like oh my gosh it's literally boot camp it's actually like crazy and you're like that's the fittest i've ever been mentally physically emotionally (laughs) (laughs) yeah like they have us do like so after lunch we have like manual labor where so usually they have like it'll be like um gardening or no. like like <laughs> they have like I don't know but for ours like they were building like a a school at the center for missionary kids. Mm-hmm. So we like helped in building the school which was like carrying up like like metal pipes and like sandbags that were like 80 pounds like it was like and it was like summer in korea which is like it's so hot Mm. and humid um and so we do that every day for like two three hours and we like um and they always they share like like there's also like groundwork that needed to be done like shoveling and like planting different things and people had different like roles but they were like you know scripture has a lot of like parables and references to like physical labor and like it's it's actually kind of true that when you do it like for yourself you kind of like understand the beauty of like what scripture is saying and that's part of why they have it not just like to keep you fit or anything but Mm -hmm. to show you like you know when you're laboring um like physically 
there will be fruit and like longing for that and like different things like that. And then we listen to like another sermon and sometimes on the weekends we go out to like the main cities of Korea and share the gospel. And then I think we usually sleep around like midnight or one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just like... They plan for you to get no sleep. They yeah. They all over again. And so often you like are still you're like staying up to catch up on the reading. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That is so intense. Like that is a jam-packed day. Totally. And for like a month straight. Oh my god. And they purposely make it so crazy because they're like we want one like refine impurities in you by like fire, but also make it so tough here that when you go to the nations, mm-hmm. it'll feel like a luxury. Because wow. if you go from America yeah. to that, yeah. you're like, oh, this feels terrible. Yeah, like, right. this sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they have that in the middle, it actually feels like the like going to Iraq was like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> like I'm out of Korea. Like, Dang. Yeah. So do you have to live like even more minimally in Korea? It's way harder than <laughs> than it was. Like, wow. Yeah, it's way stricter. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but. That- that yeah that i could not that seems um just the manual labor the waking up at 5 30 yeah did you know this is what you were kind of getting into when you signed yeah. up as well yeah they tell you like months ahead like your month in korea is gonna be hell basically <laughs> <laughs> like and it's purpose that way like prepare your heart and mind mm. and so leading up to that you're like you're meeting virtually with your teammates um and usually your teammates are like um not just from america but mm. like we had some from Germany, mm-hmm. from Israel, and so you're like praying and preparing, and it's like those like training scenes and montages in yeah. anime. Like, yeah. you're literally training so hard to go back out again to like, yeah. I mean, like slay demons and like demon slayer, but like, <laughs> but oh my gosh, yeah. wow, and we had some people like drop out, oh. who were just like, I can't do this. Yeah. like it was just so intense. I would love like i miss my mom i'm going home yeah yeah <laughs> like, i can't wake up at 5 30 dude I, I, dude yeah oh my so God. many sacrifices what yeah. happened if you failed your bible quiz they um they they just like rebuke you oh no <laughs> yeah like i don't know if they i think in some ways they had room to grow in grace mm. because that was something like we had one guy who was a narcoleptic and so he would fall asleep during like while he's standing he falls asleep he would fall asleep like um in the like the lectures and he can't help it Mm -hmm. but they would still say like nope you you slept like you need to write this two-page paper and so he had like 20 papers to write at the end and so they made me like like they just, I knew some of the people who were mentoring us, mm-hmm. and they were like, you're going to be leader of all 40 people. Um, and I had done, like, no leadership roles before that, as they just really rebuked, like, the crap out of me. Like, the first... But they chose you for a reason. Yeah, they were like, we think you will do well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, I remember the first feedback, like they because i'm kind of like people pleaser like i like to be nice Mm. to people they're just like you're being too nice like you need to be harder on them like if like if you show like so much grace now like Mm. 
like the devil will get a foothold in the nations like and that they will be like so relaxed and not like serving faithfully mm. like we're on a mission for a year like let's die and give everything so like die now and <laughs> yeah no oh, like actually and so um yeah that really changed like how i view leadership and they're like leadership is not like people often see it as like oh that's like so nice like the like um like oh look there's a leader like mm. they look so good mm. but they're like leadership's not like that leadership means you die you serve like you need to be getting the least sleep of everyone mm. and helping everyone who needs help mm. like that's what leadership is but yeah for like that that brother who is like sleeping i was like this doesn't seem fair like yeah. to him so of course like this organization is not perfect by any means like there's so room to grow but what's crazy is like uh he still did actually write all of the like on the last couple of days before we flew out he was just writing non-stop I was going to say, if I were him, I would have quit. Like, kudos to him. I'm surprised he even would go on a mission if he knew he was narcoleptic. Like, what if he was just, like, walking in the streets doing missions? No, it actually happened. Like, where he was just... He wouldn't, like, fall over. Yeah. But, like, they'll be, like, um, like standing, like, getting, like, food from, like, in a line. And he just, like, falls asleep. And, like... But that's how much faith he had. Mm. Like, he's so precious and amazing. And six months in, he got healed of narcolepsy. Oh my god! Like, no medication, nothing. He didn't bring anything. He was just like... And that's what they told him, actually. They were just like, like, if it becomes like a true hindrance, like, God will heal you. Or he will use it to, mm. like, evangelize. Right. Like, one or the other. I was thinking the latter, but that's insane. Yeah. Like, Whoa. he came back. I hadn't seen him for a year. He was like, Caleb, I'm healed. I was like, what? <laughs> so crazy. You're like, would have been better if you did it before the essay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so intense. Yeah. So, to answer your question. Sorry. This is long-winded. But um, we... In the nations, we try to mimic that. And, like, the long-term missionaries who look over us, they also, like, try to enforce that because it's the hardest part. But that discipline is so key um, to making sure that you're, like... Because otherwise, it's, like, a vacation. And Mm. you're just, like, oh, like, do we want to do ministry today? Okay. (laughs) Like, no. Like, we're tired. It's really hot out. Like, there's so (laughs) many reasons. So it's just drilled into our brain. And so it was pretty, we didn't do that extreme. We were like, we need more sleep. (laughs) So we wake up at like 7.30 or like 8. um, And then we like eat breakfast for 15 minutes. And then, yeah, I had to be fast. Like We like planned this all at the beginning. And there's just not enough time in the day. But we like read uh, 10 chapters you still read 10 chapters every day. Yeah, we kept the 10 wow. chapters. Because we, there was a lot of messages on random, mm-hmm. like, various aspects mm-hmm. of missions. But they were like, you need to live and die by the word. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only thing that's keeping you, mm-hmm. like, s- like as a faithful servant yeah. over there. Yeah. And so, um, like, and often, like, we just read so much into, like, one text, which mm-hmm. is also good. But they're like, 
you need to at least know the whole Bible, like, Mm -hmm. and, like, how can you not know the full, like, word of God, and, like, you're trying to share about God, like. Yeah, I was gonna say, because with these people you're trying to evangelize and, like, witness to, they have all these questions, like, Mm -hmm. I would be stumped from, like, good question, you Mm -hmm. know, but that makes a lot of sense why, again, like, you are one of the most knowledgeable Mm -hmm. people I know when it comes to the word, like, Every week at small group, it's just like a bam, boom, like nuggets of wisdom, and I'm just like, it was like pull out random verses and tie everything together, and I'm like, how? It's no, like it's like truly nice. a gift. I, when I when we are learning from you in small group, I feel like like I don't know if like you're a disciple and like we're like like a town person like listening to you teach. Like no. it truly feels like that sometimes. No, I. <laughs> Definitely not. I learned so much from you guys. I love having you guys in my small group. So, um, yeah, I guess before we transition to the other topic, was there, like, other stuff you wanted to, like, add about the day in your life? Yeah, so to finish our daily life plan, we it was mostly similar. We don't have manual labor, obviously. But instead of, like, that big chunk, in the afternoon, usually around 2.30, we go out for evangelism so we kind of strategize like we have a board and a map of the city we were in which was Erbil, and different neighboring cities and we say we kind of mark like oh there's like this group of people which are super open here because certain cities have different like proportion of like of different like ethnicities like whether it's refugees or iraqis and so, and we were trying to focus on Syrian refugees because they were actually a lot more open than Iraqis, mm-hmm. which was interesting. But yeah, we, from 2.30 to roughly 8.39, we go and usually are walking for like 70% of that, like walking and like to see if people are open or like sitting in houses mm-hmm. and, and spending time with people. And yeah, and then at, at night we come back. Hopefully we've eaten dinner by then and we worship and then we recap the day as a team. Like who we talked to, if they were open, mm-hmm. ways we can kind of follow up with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then we sleep at like uh, usually like 11 or 12. Yeah, usually around 12, so. Are there days where you come back and you're like, I haven't eaten all day? Yeah, there there is days when, like, or we'll, like, just forget, like, not forget, but we just didn't have time to eat, mm. and we'll, like, make something at our house. I see. But, mm. yeah. Dang, you've been so fit during that time. So we walked a lot. Yeah, getting your steps in, doing, you know. I lost a lot of weight. Intermittent fasting, not on purpose. We did fast, yeah. but Oh, fast on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had, I, so I did not fast mm. because, well, we had like team fasting on behalf of like the nation that mm. we really wanted to see, like revival. But some of my teammates were just like, their gift was fasting. Oh my gosh, we had wow. one girl who was who fasted like four four or five p- sections of forty days, like th- 
throughout the year. Like she she basically alternated like like this month I'm gonna fast and then this and, month. Like not so she would do <laughs> she would do like liquid fasting. Oh okay, but still. But yeah, but then she she like can operate. I I've never I've done like short period of liquid fasting and it's still pretty rough. Yeah. And like she she was still able to operate and she was like I feel like maybe I'm not sacrificing enough like to like just liquid fast mm. and so she was like I'm gonna start just doing water like for 40 days and we we're like okay that doesn't make sense like you're gonna die and so she was like okay well i'm like halfway through this current fast like let me just do two weeks of just water mm-hmm. and we we're just like <laughs> it's hard when you're, they're like oh this is our conviction mm-hmm. but i was like you're gonna like evaporate <laughs> yeah you're just gonna... <laughs> and she was already like she lost a lot of weight yeah. and I was just like, because I was also like, we prayed and they just, just, by their decision, made me team leader Mm -hmm. for the year. So I I felt responsible. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And she was fasting. She got super, like, weak. Mm -hmm. And, like, she could, like, barely get out of bed. But she was like, I'm still going to fast. I was like, bruh. She was like, I'm doing great. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Like, you could see, like, bones in her cheeks. Like, we are like, you're here to, like, share the gospel, not just fast. Like, I admire that. But, like, yeah, you can do that in America. We're like, we need you to walk by yourself. We can't carry you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's intense. We do not have the gift of fasting. Oh, for sure not. Uh, We've done, like, 30-hour famines, but one time. And we probably (laughs) had, like, we had some Asian soup with, like, a carrot because, you know, Asian moms in the small group were, like... Wait, you had a carrot? (laughs) Yeah, there was, like, a little something beyond water. I did not have no carrot. I mean, I've done, like, Daniel fasts. Okay. Or, like, in college, Mm -hmm. I gave up meat for 40 days, Mm -hmm. which is equally hard. That still sounds tough, yeah. I... Don't eat vegetables. I only eat meat. So then <laughs> I practically fully fasted. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, I mean, admittedly a little bit easier because mm-hmm. like dining halls were very vegetarian friendly. Mm-hmm. So I would just like not scoop the meat, which was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just be like, okay, fine. I'll eat this green beans. <laughs> um, but it was cool. Yeah. To be able to, it's more so because like to give the opportunity to like share because people would be like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not eating meat? And I'd be like, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, not, really? I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> Would people ask? Yeah, because like eating meat is such a Common major thing. part of my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I would be, I'm like a loud mouth. I'd just tell everybody. <laughs> I'd be like, guys, this blows. <laughs> and I remember I broke my fast with these disgusting boneless chicken wings from the freshman like snack hall. Uh, that's not, that's not the Did point. you get sick? No. Oh, okay. No, but like I told, I like told everybody, I was like, dude, I'm breaking my fast today mm. with these boneless chicken wings. Yeah, they're like nice. <laughs> it wasn't even real meat, I feel like. But um, <laughs> anyways, that's the extent of our fasting experience. So more power to this girl. I know. Holy moly. So yeah. did you end up convincing her to like eat something? Yeah, eventually she just got super sick. And we as a team were just like, you have to eat. Yeah. Like for ministry. Like right. we thing is powerful but maybe just go back to liquids like like mm-hmm. your regular fast and yeah so she eventually like came around oh yeah my gosh. but uh, for the people who are still listening if you're still listening 
kudos to you and thank you. But for those that are listening and aren't familiar with kind of why you might fast, can you also shed some light there too? Definitely. Um, uh, there's many... <clears throat> that, that was like a good thing that we... Good question that we like delved into. Like, because while she was fasting, I was like, Why are you doing this? Exactly. <laughs> and I was like searching scripture. And there's mm. like, there's a chapter on um, in Isaiah, I think it's like 50 something, about like true fasting. And it's not like simply, um, it's not simply like food, mm-hmm. but he, like Isaiah argues that like true fasting, like, isn't it to like break the chains of like the oppressed and like, to do good to like the foreigner and like this kind of things, which makes it even more vague. But um, fasting in general is just kind of um, sacrificing something that is like common or desired Mm -hmm. um, in favor of usually drawing closer to God Mm -hmm. or often in times of like desperate um, like requests or Mm -hmm. need. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think, it also really enforces the idea of discipline. Like, mm. I feel like a lot of times when I'm so used to just, like, giving in to doing whatever I want, it becomes kind of, like, a habit. Like, mm. I don't even, like, remember how to, like, exercise that muscle of, like, saying no mm. to, like, my just instinctual desire. Mm-hmm. But, like, kind of putting it into practice to, like, pause and remind myself, like, no, you can't have that slice of prime rib right now because you're on a fast. <laughs> I think it's like this, yeah, this exercise of discipline and like, yeah, not just doing whatever your flesh wants, but like, mm. yeah, also just like drawing closer to God. And, totally. And I I do feel like, mm, I guess from my experience, like God does like honor this time. And I did feel like during my fast, like I kind of, I, I feel like I saw more God sightings mm-hmm. like around campus and just like. I remember like journaling being like, oh my gosh, like I'm on day XYZ of my fast. And like for the first time, Mm. like my friend and his roommate said yes to coming with me to Mm. to, like large group. Yeah. Just like stuff like that. I felt like, yeah, I feel like God was kind of like honoring Mm -hmm. my. (laughs) Okay, it's not that huge of a sacrifice Mm. for meat, but I did feel like he did like meet me and like kind of, kind of give me like little nuggets to be like, keep going yeah and i think it's like an active commitment because it's one thing to say i'm gonna like well keto is just a diet or like i'm gonna Mm. intermittent fast because i want to lose weight Mm. but another thing to intentionally set aside something that is so core to your daily life or for us like a source of deep joy to eat delicious food and to say i'm gonna put that aside because i want to be more aware of god in this time yeah Uh, yeah but i guess yeah. yeah, sorry, Yuko. Oh, no, I was going to say to an extent, I don't know if her fasting was allowing her to become more aware of God or just, like, becoming totally disoriented. <laughs> yeah. Unconscious. <laughs> just asleep. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, also, I feel like when you're fasting for a purpose, like, I found it, it's, uh, yeah, the sense of purpose for something greater than yourself makes it for me like mm-hmm. easier mm-hmm. um because it was just for myself like ah, frick i've never dieted like mm. never like because i'm like i just can't like one yeah. time i tried i lasted to lunch and like <laughs> and like but because i knew it was for a higher purpose mm-hmm. i felt like it was easier to keep going because it was yeah for something greater than myself 
So yeah, yeah. I was like, man, maybe we should go fasting. Like, like, Starting okay. now, forty-eight <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I guess shifting away from the day in the life and now more to Cleo's second question of what it was like for you to return and to have that countercultural shock, if that's correct way to phrase it, because you'd live this year in mm-hmm. Iraq and that was your new normal. And mm-hmm. then you come back to American society and Christianity and, you know, your friends that had graduated, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that experience like? Like people's idea of evangelism is putting like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in their Insta bio, and then you're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's too accurate. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a good question. I think so. One of the immediate things I remembered was just like when I got off the plane, or I think. Yeah, when I got off the plane in America, it was, like, in Chicago, we had a layover, and, like, I looked around, and just, this was just, like, instinctually, but, like, seeing women, like, for the whole year, I had never seen any, like, skin, Mm. like, before, like, Mm -hmm. the wrist and the ankles, basically. Like, everything's covered. Yeah. Yeah. Frick, are those knees? No, I I kid you not. I'm like, what? Why are they showing me their knees? And I'm, like, viscerally, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I shouldn't be looking (laughs) at that. Don't look at the kneecaps. (laughs) Like, actually, it seems like I'm, like, looking at something really wrong. Yeah. And, And, yeah, it's just, I feel like that was, like, really interesting. Like, of course, like, now it's like it's quickly you just adapt it's like oh it's like normal but yeah that does have like immediate impact but um i think longer term i kind of like was just like for myself i was like now what i wasn't sure if that was just like one year isolated Mm -hmm. and it's like okay now i like just continue Because I knew that the two weeks kind of led to the year. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, is this year leading to, like, long-term missions? Like, that's even more crazy. Um, And so I was, like, processing a lot of that. And with regards to Christianity, I realized that from coming back from missions, I had a lot of pride Mm -hmm. that God needed to crush. And he did it quickly because... I came back and I saw, like, my fellowship guys um, who, like, yeah, I just, like, it was very different from what I was used to. Mm -hmm. And so I just became very judgmental, Mm -hmm. um, but not loving Mm -hmm. and not, like, walking with them and encouraging them um, and not what God wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, oh, look, like, I did missions, like, but really that's not what God wanted. And... Yeah, and even then, I actually started to drift away um, Mm. from God, Mm. like, the first six months that I came back. And I couldn't really explain why. I was just Mm. like, I was like, why do I not really want to read the Bible? Like, why do I not really want to, like, go to church? Like, I'll still do it, but I don't have, like, that desire Mm. that I had. Um, And I think God was just really, like, showing me, like, 
you think you did something great in missions, but really it was all me. Like you're just a sinner, like a broken person who I use. I can use anyone. Like there's nothing really special about you. And like, like the glory goes to who like deserves it. And yeah, I was just really humbled. And even my parents noticed like when I went home that winter, they were like, like, what's wrong? Like you don't have that same passion. And it was kind of only rekindled by like just humbling worship mm-hmm. like I had in my room. I was just like, God, I know that I've been like prideful and kind of gone astray. Like, can you have mercy on me? Like, I'm really nothing. Um, and just like affirmations of the gospel, like and how like I'm depraved, how I need him, like mm-hmm. all coming back. I think that really restored me. But yeah, I think that's kind of transitioning back is really hard spiritually Mm -hmm. and that's commonly seen with student missionaries because you have such an intense lifestyle over there i think now like they're constantly learning how to take care of them better Mm -hmm. but now they try to like maintain some of that dlp like that discipline Mm -hmm. um because it really is like critical i feel like to spiritual health mm-hmm. like when you go back home you have nothing to do you're like right. i'll read the bible later and then it never yeah. happens yeah. and like little things like that kind of snowball uh-huh. and then you kind of just lose sight of like what like why am i here when you came back did you feel like it was difficult to relate to people in the sense of where their faith was at you know as a college student the extent of going to church and being in- involved in college ministry and then you've had this life-changing experience that, mm. you know, put you kind of on a spiritual high mm-hmm. and you come back, like, did you have a hard time having people you could walk along with in your faith journey, given mm-hmm. you guys were at totally different points by the time you came back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what contributed to mm. kind of detaching and, like, pride. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like, you know, all my classmates within our Christian, like, fellowship, they're all just, like so stressed about tests Mm -hmm. and like oh where am i gonna work Mm -hmm. like jobs like oh my career's everything like Mm -hmm. they'll say like oh i really wanted something like something that'll glorify god and like has a lot of clout and money to give to god like (laughs) like all these like nice sounding things that i'm just like like something that they taught us in like um like they encouraged in our missions organization was like they they thought that the like the base decision of like what someone should do is like missions Mm -hmm. like if you don't feel called to anything like if you actually feel called to like become a plumber or like like do tech then like do it for Mm -hmm. sure you want to follow god but if you don't really know Mm -hmm. they're just like just do missions Mm -hmm. like because there's so much need Mm -hmm. and people often like try to convince themselves like Mm -hmm. oh like i'll pursue like this thing because it's super nice and like oh and god like Mm -hmm. just tack that on the side yeah when really it should be like god first Mm -hmm. and then yeah and i'm not sure like if i fully agree with that but of course it's just like something I thought about and in contrast to like what people in my fellowship were thinking of just like Mm -hmm. completely like classes focused and like I was like 
what about like our campus like mm. you know there's so much things happening people who need jesus like like even if we bomb this test it's fine mm. like let's share yeah. yeah i can see how that could be frustrating because you're kind of like hello like wake up mm. like there's more to life than this but it, it's hard as a college student you know to so many of us perspective yeah we're all like kind of narrow-minded and like eyes on the prize but the prize is mm. uh, like from the secular world and so that is really difficult yeah, yeah. i feel like you kind of get stuck in this bubble and then like you're like your eye on your prize, but then it's like <laughs> our gaze is so narrow sighted mm. and it's like just right what's in front of us mm-hmm. and what like, the world says that we should be chasing after. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure like that shift, it's like I feel like maybe I mean correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's kind of like a kin of like coming back to school after like a crazy youth camp high Mm. like Mm -hmm. saturday night youth camp you're like oh my gosh like i'm gonna dedicate my whole life to missions Mm. and like serving god and you're like wow life will never be the same and Mm -hmm. then like you go back to school Mm. and then (laughs) and then it's just like whoa you have to transition back and then kind of like you're still in this high and then it like slowly like Mm -hmm. wanes and yeah yeah it's hard yeah there's that's definitely like i think it's it's similar to like that like church retreat high and coming back and you're like what's the point of everything (laughs) like yeah and yeah there's definitely that how have you managed i guess the the more stable faith here now that you've been Mm. back because it's been i mean several years and Mm. I'm assuming that you've also kind of settled back into, Mm -hmm. again, just generalizing like American lifestyle and you're doing school and you're doing work Mm -hmm. and um, I guess more quote unquote typical church ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, So how have you kind of navigated and adapted back into this? And like, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Because you always kind of have this missions data point as Mm -hmm. like the high data point that you can strive for i suppose yeah but it's just like different here yeah definitely that's honestly something i've been like wrestling with like even nowadays i actually just talked to one of my teammates who went to UW, and like we we like we were just like reminiscing about like our year he he was in egypt for the first six months and then he got deported and came to iraq for the second six months but we yeah we were just saying like we still think about our year missions every day Mm. like even though it was three years ago no it's like almost yeah yeah i think three years ago and yeah it's like it i don't think i'll ever forget and it's like kind of like a love-hate relationship because we we were just like yeah talking about how it had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows Mm -hmm. like it i remember explaining it was like the best year of my life but also the hardest um like the joy of just knowing that you are doing exactly what god is calling you to do like you're there for a purpose everything you do you're like i know this is like what i'm supposed to be doing you read scripture you're like i'm doing exactly what the apostles are doing there's so much like joy and peace that comes from that 
but then there's also the deep lows of being like i'm so alone and mm. like nobody like i miss my family i miss friends i miss doing like fun stuff mm. like like playing spike ball i didn't know about <laughs> it then but i probably would have wanted yeah, um playing league yeah exactly <laughs> i miss league a lot <laughs> um and yeah just like simple i miss like eating like american food and like all these simple things um but feeling like there's a lot of rejection there obviously like there's definitely seasons where you're sharing every day to like 10 like usually like 20 to 30 people and so over a month it's like hundreds and then couple months thousands and that many people rejecting you day after day and some of them get upset at you they're like why are you here Mm. you know um you when there's no fruit that's when it gets really tough Mm -hmm. and you just start to question like did god really call me like i thought he's called me to bring people Mm. but um yeah and so that's something even now i like I'm healing because when I think about missions, I'm like, I love it, but I'm also like, I don't want to do it again because I'm like scared. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like pray about it often where I'm like, God, if you want me to do it, like you're going to have to like heal Mm -hmm. that, that hurt and like hopefully make it nicer. (laughs) Like, cause it was just really intense. Um, but yeah, I think that's, And then there's also just, like, feeling, like, is what I'm doing, like, even important? Mm -hmm. I think that that data point in my head is always there. Mm -hmm. Like, when you go from knowing that God has, like, called you exactly to, like, me living on an island Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Mercer Island, at really nice apartment, like, um, doing my MBA, like it's always in the back of my head, like, are you really, like, carrying your cross Mm. and, like, living as, like, the prophets, the apostles, how they all did? And it's tough. Yeah, I I definitely resonate with that. I think, like, in college, like, a lot of my friends that were Christians, they would, like, talk about it. And, like, they would be speakers that come to talk about how to, like, mm, apply your calling and how to find what your calling is. And... Kind of like integrating like faith with like adult life and like faith in the workplace and we would always like debate like oh we can like i feel called to do cs mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I, and then we'd be like yeah how do we make sure we tie that with our like identity in christ mm-hmm. and then we'd be like well code for a nonprofit <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something we would try to like figure it out and Yeah, it's just so interesting because I feel like because we are so privileged to live in America to have like all these options and like all these kind of, I guess, distractions, Mm -hmm. it can be super easy to lose sight of the higher purpose Mm -hmm. because there's kind of like, I guess, in our perspective, like low-hanging fruit Mm -hmm. of just like pursuing the secular path. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when you go on something like mission trips, Mm -hmm. it it kind of, mm, I feel like there's kind kind of like a paradigm shift and it really just shocks you enough to um, you know like when you're reading or not reading when you're like your eyes glaze over and you're just like whatever it kind of like shocks you to like mm. clear your vision a little bit mm-hmm. like oh there's actually you know things beyond just like what's immediately in front of us mm. but it is 
it is hard to yeah figure that out because I'm like mm-hmm. are we called <laughs> to do missions right I feel like calling in general is such a difficult topic you know because how do you like, I think a lot of us are like how do you truly know and with what you said about carrying your cross like you've done it and you mm. you know what it's like to truly you know lay everything down at his feet and give it all up and i think so many of us haven't even been close to that mm. that uh, i don't know we just get so comfortable i suppose because how often do we even think about like what would it be like to just give it all up mm. you know i think for so many of us going day to day just working pursuing careers education um you know, even even something that seems so good, like a family, mm-hmm. we kind of just go through the motions and do we even think about giving it all up? Like, mm-hmm. it's so, I don't know, contrary to what the world expects of us to just be like, wait, like, I have a so good, like, hold up, let me mm-hmm. put it all aside. Yeah. Um, but it- to have that kind of looming in the back of your head every single day, that's that's... That's quite a lot. Yeah, it's definitely something I like continue to wrestle with God. And like, yeah, thinking of some things that have like given me peace is just like prayer. Mm -hmm. I think in in the way of like, like before doing like starting my MBA, I think at every step now before like a big, like before I got my job or things like that, Mm -hmm. like I'm like, God, if you want me to just drop everything and go overseas, like, you've called me before. Mm. I know you can. Mm-hmm. Like, then do it. Like, otherwise, I'm just going to do this. And I, like, keep praying that until it happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's given me peace mm. in, in like, knowing that, okay, he's, like, okay with what I'm doing. And it's not simply for my own, like, I'm just, like, living for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, a like, part of me is still, like, what if he wants me even without calling to choose like <laughs> choose yeah. the the yeah. narrow path or whatever yeah. and i'm just like oh it's so tough right yeah but i feel like the wrestling is such a big part of faith mm-hmm. because i think a lot of times we think like like let's, let's make the right decision based on what god wants us to do and like we always mm-hmm. want to take um you know the more difficult path like all of that kind of stuff but sometimes i feel like just having that conviction to really want to think through it and to have those conversations with God and to constantly wrestle with what our calling is. I think that's part of the process because Mm. it just shows that you care about your faith. And I just think of how many seeds you planted talking to thousands of people across that year. Mm. But then I also think about maybe the less grand, but also equally important ways you've blessed people here in Seattle Mm. and I guess that's just the beauty of how God can work and um, like who knows maybe one day he will call you but at the same time I think it's really cool that every day you think about it and every day you are having that thought process because I think a lot of us the disconnect is like we just don't even think about it Hmm. like the fact that you're thinking about what it means to give it up for God and to um, to truly live for him Hmm. I feel like even that mindset is so mature like spiritually mm. yeah and the plus like having this testimony of all the things you've like witnessed and encountered during mm. your time overseas bringing them back here is like very powerful as well yeah because like my sister said like a lot of people don't think about this or like ha- haven't even heard things of this magnitude mm-hmm. um so yeah. yeah and i think there's 
something like my eyes have opened to like I think there was a pride of like oh missions is like the true way to like really carry your cross and but after just talking to people and seeing how like various people serve God here mm-hmm. it's so humbling and it I think it removes that mm-hmm. in in the sense of like like my brother always tells me about like this like bus driver in Seattle who like he was in a small group with and he was like so faithful like as humble of a position as that he would always just be super kind to whoever like is in his bus and is always like um like just sharing like god sightings like not even directly sharing like preaching the gospel because he i don't know if he has that chance Mm -hmm. directly but um yeah just being really kind and he was like i think that he has a great reward in heaven Mm -mm. and it's just simple things like that like i think thinking that missions is the only way is is so narrow-minded that god has like just the idea of the body right Mm -hmm. like the body has many parts if everyone becomes a thumb like that's not a body (laughs) (laughs) just one big thumb yeah the spy kids movie <laughs> no those guys <laughs> it's true because if you were all on missions it's like well then who's here on the ground like local missions you know mm-hmm. your next door neighbors people in your community mm-hmm. your people at work like some people are called to the workplace and um, yeah you know god can really use us really anywhere um yeah like when i think of like um like ashley who's like started like a bible study within microsoft and Mm -hmm. when i think of you and how you like you chloe reach out to like people on the outskirts of our fellowship or cleo when you did like the inner city missions like and just like how you've impacted our small group and like um with your passion like these small god sightings it shows that like God is still working. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just like a void here. Right. And I think that's comforting for me to know that um, even if I do stay and like God can still use me powerfully, he still has a plan and it's not just missions or busts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much to unpack still and it'll be really just a blessing to kind of journey with you these Mm -hmm. next you know few years and as god is kind of making clear where he wants you to be and as that evolves it'll be yeah really special to see how that all kind of unravels Um, but for today i think we are going to come to a close and um yeah just thank you so much for your time this was a long one but a good one (laughs) and I hope for those of you guys listening um, that you're yeah blessed by this story and that your eyes were just kind of open to how God works in such mighty ways beyond what we might mm-hmm. be used to seeing here in America because we are very much in a bubble and I think I think Western Christianity is also mm-hmm. yeah different <laughs> mm-hmm. than like the rest of the world. So. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, with that being said, do you have any final thoughts, Kayla, before we wrap it up? Mm, no, thank you guys, really. for I love sharing about it because it, it's a lot to unpack. So I feel like this is like a perfect medium because mm. it's a lot for someone to hear like, oh, how was your 
year of mission like i remember when i came back they'd be like oh how was it like and the, yeah, yeah it's like, like uh, do you have five days it's yeah. really gonna be like when we come out of this quarantine and they're like how's covid for you like and, how yeah you summarize that? exactly now you can be like listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah no actually so thank you guys so much for taking your time to talk about it yeah it was really special i mean i think with a lot of our friends we live our day-to-day and we talk about you know oh how are you like mm-hmm. how's that new job how's school going like how was last weekend how's the, all these like i guess day-to-day things but there's so much that makes us who we are and especially mm-hmm. with missions this was a huge part of you Mm -hmm. that happened before we ever met so it Mm -hmm. was yeah really a treat to hear all of that and um yeah there's so much i could say but i feel like if you guys meet caleb like you can just tell there's something different about him and and i think that's all god Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up because i could again (laughs) keep going but um thank you so much everyone for listening um again this might be our last episode for quite a little while so please listen to our other episodes yeah um, feel free to peruse our catalog mm-hmm. and follow us on instagram <laughs> <laughs> um i guess with that uh, we're gonna call it a day bye